I am not an innocent, not bystander. An innocent bystander. I am a threat, am a threat, to, my threat enemy. to my enemy. I am powerful. I am powerful. I am strategic and bold. I will not sit idly by. I will take ground. I will advance. I will tear through my enemy. And my enemy will hate me. I will not avoid the difficult fight. I will fight. I will be wounded. I will be targeted and I will bleed. I will not tire. My wounds will be healed. I will see tragedy. I will feel pain. But I will be restored. My feet will not stumble. My hands will hold fast. I will not be intimidated. Hey, we are on page 73, and the topic is Satan and Demons. Doo -doo -doo. Now, notice, if you're going to uh, get back there, uh, you, 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 he doesn't even deserve to have a capitalized S. We learned that, in, as we saw last week, uh, that's where they got the depictions of Satan, if you were here last week. And uh, historically, because the Bible says that he was Lucifer. Uh, he was a uh, delighting one. And a very beautiful angel, cherub, and his pride is what was his downfall. And he wanted to be like God. He wanted to have power and control. It was all self, self, me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity. And uh, so the early history, of course, that's why they started to, in the dark ages, depict Satan with fangs and thorns. But that's not necessarily how he shows up. The Bible's very clear that sometimes he shows up as an angel of light. Uh, and demons, they could deceive you, okay? But uh, this little thing that we always did in Bible college is we never capitalize Satan. And uh, he, he's just a little flea. You know, compared to God, we'll see that tonight. But uh, page 73, we saw the issue of Satan and demons. There is there really a devil? Yes, there is. Even though we saw the incredible stat, believe it or not, 65% of people don't believe in him. Even in the church. Think he's just a symbol of evil, but not to be taken literally. And then we saw, well, what about Satan's origin and fall? Where'd he come from? How'd this whole thing happen? And uh, we, we dealt with that. And he was the covering cherub, as we saw. He was the uh, Lucifer. He was the lightened one. He was uh, there with God. And uh, until wickedness, Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, as we saw, was found within him. Uh, God is not the one who created evil. Uh, is Satan is the one that evil began with, as we saw there. But that's just the other half, because Satan comes along with these little critters, and they're called what? Demons, okay? Demonion in the Greek, and that's where we left off there on page 74. About the middle, it says the origin and fall now of demons. We saw Satan, how he fell, how that all started, where'd he come from? Let's take a look at now demons, uh, his cohorts. As has been stated before, the Bible is all but silent on the creation of Satan and the angelic host in general. Although uh, many theologians would say that uh, uh, angels uh, and Satan won before he fell, uh, maybe created uh, the same time when God created light, if you will. What we do know is that somewhere after day six of creation, logically we can deduce this, uh, that uh, somewhere after uh, day six, when God created man, 
and said, and as he went throughout creation, everything was good, 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 very good. And then the seventh day, okay, after that, sometime between there and Genesis chapter 3, the fall of man, Satan fell. Okay, because everything was very good up to that point. So we can kind of deduce that, okay? So we may not know specifically whatever. We know what also caused his downfall. We saw that last week with pride, arrogance. He wanted to be like God. Again, the me, myself, and I syndrome, the unholy trinity, is the birthplace of Satan. And that's the number one law of Satanism today. Do what you will shall be the whole of the law, okay? This includes the creation of demons. If we examine the scriptures, the best we can deduce is that demons are fallen angels, okay? We saw last week, again, angels are angelos in the Greek, and it simply just means uh, the word uh, messengers, okay? And again, you have good messengers, you got bad messengers. The good ones are the angels who stayed with God and did not rebel. The bad ones is what we call demons and who went with Satan and his rebellion, uh, if we examine the scriptures, uh, they're fallen angels. Apparently, when Satan exalted himself and fell from his exalted position, he was followed by a large number of angelic beings. Your first blank there. Angelic beings, not jelly beans. It sounds like that. It's angelic beings. Okay. Turn to your Bible, Matthew 24. Let's take a look. We're going to do some page flipping tonight. Matthew 24, verse 41. Uh, 20, Matthew 25. Yeah, thank you, Ruth. See, that's why we can't start until you get here. That's right. And uh, let's take a look, Matthew 25, and uh, take a look there. And this is actually a, a nice passage to bring up, too, sometimes if people are <coughs> choking on hell, okay? And uh, sometimes you'll do that as you share the gospel with people. As we saw before, do they have any uh, sense that their sins are separating them from God, which means, oh, that's just a bad trip. No, it means you're going to ultimately end up to hell unless something gets reversed, unless you get pardoned. Okay, through Jesus Christ, okay? But people say, hell, why would God create a hell? Well, you need to understand what was the origin of hell. What was the, whole, what was the original purpose of hell? Well, this is what this says here for us. Uh, verse 41 uh, says this, And then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for who? The devil and his angels, angelas, or messengers. Okay, is what's going on there. So again, we see that the devil has who works with them. Angels, angelos, demons is what we call them. Okay, but again, just kind of a sub-point there. Originally, hell was created to, for the final abode okay, of, of, of Satan, of demons. Eternal fire, meaning lake of fire, and we'll get to that in a second, actually, because Satan really isn't in hell, even though sometimes that gets depicted. Okay, he's not in hell. He's alive and well on planet Earth. Okay, and so are the demons. Some of them, some are bound. We'll get to that in a second, Lord willing. Okay, so that's a very important passage. Now, roll over to Revelation chapter 12. If you've ever wondered, you know, you've probably heard it said many a times uh, that one-third of the angels rebelled with Satan. Well, where do we get that? Well, here's a passage, Revelation 12. Kind of interesting. This is a little bit of the passage. We're going to be dealing with uh, one of the passages, Lord willing, uh, Sunday on the next Final Countdown study on the One World Religion. Okay? And, uh, but Revelation chapter 12 and uh, verse 4 says this. And uh, the context here is the dragon. The dragon is defined by the context as Satan clearly in the context you don't have to wonder okay and it says uh verse four his tail swept how many a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth the dragon satan stood in front of the woman and it's talking about israel in the context there the first three verses who was about to give birth so that he might devour her child the moment it was born and uh, she gave birth to a son a male child who will rule the nations with an iron scepter who, who's that 
Jesus, and her child was snatched up to God to his throne, and the woman fled in the desert. Now this is Israel during the uh, seven-year tribulation. The second half, after the Antichrist goes up into the temple, declares himself to be God, and starts to annihilate the Jewish people. Again, Lord willing, we'll get to that on Sunday uh, at the next study. And uh, we're uh, uh, to, to the desert, a place that's prepared for her by God, where she might be taken care of 1,260 days or half of the seven-year tribulation. Okay, so that what we see there is not just Satan. Okay, Satan and his angels, his angelos, his messengers. So he has his little army, his little cohorts there. And yes, it is an army. Okay, as we saw last time again with uh, the verbiage that's used in Ephesians chapter 6. Okay, the rulers and authorities and principalities of darkness. And you got a chain of command that's going on there. Okay, and that's what he uses as well with the demons. Okay, and uh, but where are the demons from? Okay, they're, they're not like what, you know, Mormons would say that that's a, a curse on the souls of black people and things that nature used to teach all kinds of weird stuff like that. Okay, it's not. Uh, don't, they don't come telling you that when they knock at the door. Okay, amongst other heresies, uh, as we've seen before. Uh, but no, they are fallen angels. Okay, uh, when a person becomes, uh, when they die, they don't turn into an angel. Okay, Hollywood likes that. They don't turn into a little baby, really pudgy cheek. Makes for cool wallpaper. I'll grant it if you're into that kind of thing. But that's not good Bible. Okay, good wallpaper is not good Bible. Hey, that's like a good, that'd be a book title. What do you think, Ruth? Okay, we better thank you for the cooperation. But I'm glad you're here again tonight. Uh, let's continue on. Uh, but they are fallen, uh, created angels, okay? They rebel with Satan. These demons are free to roam the heavens under their leader, prince, who became Satan. He's also called Beelzebub by Jesus, the prince of demons, Okay, so again, just that title, Prince of Who? Prince of Demons, means that they work in cohorts with Satan. Okay, clearly as we see uh, in the text there. And then, of course, we saw Matthew 25, the dragon and his angels, angelos, messengers, Revelation 12, in Satan's kingdom under his rule, demons are his subjects and helpers. You'll see that again in Matthew 12. They are also so well organized, underline that, so well organized, okay, that satanic strategy... Uh, can use them as effectively as, listen, a commander-in-chief wielding a great army. Anybody in the military? Anybody been in the military? It's pretty much a whole history of sunrise, right? All right. When you're in the military, what's the importance of when you're trying to do something? You need a chain of command, all right? How, wo how well would a, a private do uh, if he barked at uh, his sergeant? He wouldn't get very far, would he? Okay, uh, how about if he said, well, forget that guy. I'm going all the way top. I'm going to be the guy in charge, right? I know what's best. And he goes and he uh, takes on the general. Got to be toast, right? Okay, uh, you're right. Not a good idea, okay? Uh, the, why, it, and you need that. Why? Because obviously in the military, you need a chain of command. Why? Because you're trying to do something. You got a plan. Sometimes you go to a war and you have a plan and you need to follow that plan. There is structure. There is leadership. There is organization. And if you get away from the structure and the leadership and the organization, uh, it kind of messes things up, right? What good it would do if you had a whole a company of soldiers and you said, go over here because you've got to head off this front over here and this company, and, and they said, no, I'm, go, I'm just going to go over here. I'm gonna do what? How well would you survive? How well would you do? Not very good. And this is what we see with Satan, folks. Okay, he knows, and I said this just a little bit ago, he knows the power, listen, he knows the power of unity. He uses it with his forces, okay, the demons, and he also understands the importance of a chain of command, okay? And is it any wonder that two things that Satan will attack a church is unity and chain of command? And instead of following the chain of command, we rebel because we know better than the general. And he'll get us to be disorganized so we'll never get anywhere. 
And we spend all of our time shooting ourselves and our own wounded instead of fighting the battle that's before us. It's, I'm telling you, it's not by chance. He knows the power of it. The scripture gives us the illusion and the understanding that he uses it himself to do his nefarious purposes. So isn't it any wonder that that's the one very thing amongst many other things uh, that he'll try to weaken uh, a church or a Christian. Even, I would even say a family, right? The husband's supposed to be the spiritual leader of the household and, and the family and submitting to that and the leadership and of course under the headship of Jesus Christ. And you get all, is our world bucking at that? Male leadership in the home, let alone in the church? Absolutely. Is, is, what's the effect on the family? What's the effect on our nation? It's absolutely destroying. Satan knows exactly what he's doing, and that's what he's attacking today. Okay, well, let's continue on. It says there, he says, uh, what is the present state of Satan and his demons? Okay, uh, well, let's take a look. Among those angels that fell with Satan, some are free to roam about and do the devil's bidding, and some are bound in Tartarus. Okay, now, in case you guys are always wondering, that's where those, uh, like, Long John Silvers and those uh, seafood places get all that sauce. No, that's tartar sauce. Now, I know that's what you're thinking. Now, that, it kind of would, would think that, but that's not what it is. Obviously, it's a Greek terminology that was used, uh, but it was abode for demons, okay? And uh, many people feel that the reason why they were bound, it was some particular issues that, you know, you get that illusion a little bit from Jude, uh, the book of Jude, and uh, I think in Peter, it kind of gives us that the angels, the certain sin that they were doing, that they were saying, okay, you're stuck there and you ain't getting out. Because this, and this is what we see with our chart. I kinda, there's a chart at the end of the study if you want to look at it. I kind of recreated it here for you. Tonight you got angels, but you got two classification of angels, angelos, messengers, that's all it is. You got messengers of God, okay, the unfallen ones, okay, and you got the angelos, the messengers of Satan, what we call demons, the ones who rebelled with him, the one-third that we saw there, okay. Now, these guys are free to roam, they're messengers of God, they, they still exist today. Hebrews chapter 1 says this, hey, be careful who you entertain. Might be entertaining angels unaware, Okay. So they're alive and well, and they do God's bidding still today, okay? It's real, but these guys are just as real, okay? But because of what they've done, and God's always in charge, we'll see that in a second, hopefully, you're gonna see that you got active demons, okay, on the planet, and then you got confined demons. Now, the confined demons, we just saw, one of them is where you get the, not the food, the fish food stuff, a Tartarus, okay? And that's a permanent one. They ain't ever getting out, okay? And again, some people would say, 2 Peter 2 and Jude 6, some things that they were doing, possibly Genesis 6 where it talks about the sons of God, the angels and cohabitating with women and whatever's going on there. And that's a whole other topic. Uh, but also you got another set in the pit. Man, it would, would be cool to do a study on that. Revelation chapter 9. It's called the abusas, okay, in the Greek there. And it says that uh, the people who received the mark for five months, okay, demons, a horde of demons are gonna be coming out of this pit, the abusas. This pit, these guys have been sitting there. And it says that they're coming out for that exact day, exact hour, exact, I mean, it's just, they just, they, if you can imagine, if they got chucked in that pit, let's say 6,000 years ago, they've been in that pit for 6,000 years, just chomping at the bit, just evil as you can't even believe, just waiting for their time to get out. God lets them out in the seven-year tribulation. And what he does is for five months, read it there, you think, oh, you don't want to be there. I'll tell you what, uh, he lets those demons out. And they are going after mankind for five months every single day, day in, day out. Here they come. And they torment people. It is such a bad torment that God allows them, the demons, to come out of this pit. The abuse out there in Revelation 9 is a judgment. Just one judgment, one slice of a little piece of time in seven-year time frame. And they come out and they torment people. The torment is so stinking bad on those who receive the mark of the beast. Okay, it says that they want to die, but death eludes them. Can you imagine that? It's such a bad torment that you literally want to kill yourself, but God won't let you die. You might try to jump off the building, but God will sovereignly allow you not to die. You might try to pull the trigger, but it ain't, it's going to miss you. God, it just, you cannot die. He won't let you die. 
you are going to be tormented every single day by these demons for five months, day in, day out, and it's only the ones who receive the mark of the beast. That's just five months during the seven-year tribulation. That, it just gets worse as you go. You start with the seals and the trumpets and the bowls, and it's just, ugh, it's just horrible, okay? So that's what's going to happen. So you've got two confined. These are permanent. These are going to come out during the seven-year tribulation. But right now, you've got the active ones, okay? Seven-year tribulation is going to be a horrible time, guys. The planet is literally going to be crawling with demons full force, uh, exposed. You will see them no more just like if you get involved in the occult or sometimes if you get into those things, they'll appear and do that stuff today. Uh, they're seducing people, if you haven't paid attention in our society today, with all the ghosts and the psychic movies and sick uh, reality shows and all this. Those, they're sucking people into that, guys. Those are, if there is an actual spirit that's going on, the Bible's clear that's a familiar spirit, that's a demonic spirit. It is not your Aunt Vera. It's not some loved one. It's not some person who whatever, because the Bible's clear. You don't turn into an angel when you die. You either go straight to heaven or you go straight to hell. You don't come back. So it ain't a person. It's a demon who is fooling you, okay? And our society's preparing people for that getting them ready for what's going to happen in the seven-year tribulation. Uh, let's continue on. There's two prominent events revealed in the history of Satan falling within the period of time when he proposed in his heart to become like the Most High and his yet future banishment and execution. Praise God. Turn to that one. You've got to read this one. This is encouraging. I really hope we get to be there. Revelation chapter 20. Find the dictionary. What do you do? Left. That's right. Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 3. Then we're going to skip down and read verses 7 through 10. And uh, man, this is going to be great. Revelation chapter 20. And uh, verse 1 says this. And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven. This is cool. Having the key to the what? Abusas, the abyss. And holding in his hand a great chain. And he sees the dragon, the ancient serpent, who is the devil or Satan. If I only knew who the dragon was. I think the dragon represents China. And China's going to come with the red dragon. Just read your Bible. It defines it for you. And that's just one passage. No, it's Satan. Now, what I like bringing out in this point, in this passage, okay, is, uh, man, look at it. Did you notice how powerful Satan is? I mean, gee willikers, uh, dare we ever even take him on? I mean, I mean, it, it took two-thirds of all the angels of heaven just to even get him wrapped around in a chain. And how many angels did it take? One. Do you see the lie? Do you see the illusion? He tries this. He, I'm telling you, I, I call it the Star Wars theology, which is not, again, uh, good theology. It's as bad as that wallpaper stuff. Okay, and uh, and thinking that's where you get your fish uh, sauce from. Okay, no, it's not. He tries to think that's like the good force and the bad force, the light and the dark, and it's exactly 50-50. And if you're not careful, and if you put too much tartar sauce on this side, you might tip the scales for a generation. But you can, it's just, it's half and half. And 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 God's, and then so it, he gets us to think that that's how he is. That he's almost just as powerful as God, and God's just really working his tail off. And just hopefully, maybe, he, are you kidding me? He's a flea. He's a defeated flea. He, he roars like a lion. He's not even a lion. His teeth have been knocked out and he's got a little rat body. Jesus Christ has whipped him on the cross. He stripped him of his power, uh, Colossians says. Read the Bible. He is just, he's a liar. And then when it comes down to it, he, one angel, wraps a chain around you. Choo. See what I'm saying? We either overemphasize Satan or we de-emphasize him. Seems to be what we do, okay? And we don't understand the victory that we have in Christ. So he, he bounds him in there. Uh, for a thousand years, he threw him into the uh, abyss, locked, sealed it over him, and kept him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. And now after that, he must be set free for a short time. Down to verse 7. When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out and deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. 
In number, they are like the sand of the seashore. They marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them. Notice this time, the final one, the final judgment, the final battle, if you will, okay? After the millennial kingdom, it ain't drawn out for seven years. It's just, you're done. Who's in charge? God. It's just, it's all, you know, it's anyway. So, and that's what we need to understand. Again, we either overemphasize them or we de-emphasize them, okay? And so he puts them down like that. And then what? The devil who deceived them, the world, was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. Now, what's that tell you? They were thrown in there at the end of the seven-year tribulation, the second coming of Jesus Christ. That means they've been in the lake of fire for a thousand years. That right there tells you that hell is not annihilation, as some people would try to soften that doctrine. No, and in case you don't get it, keep reading. He says they will be tormented, what? They'll just burn up and disappear. No, day and night forever and ever and ever and ever and, okay? And that's what we see there. Okay, but that is, I want you to read that because we need to understand he is the defeated one. The first of these was his meeting, okay, these two events, uh, with and triumph over Adam when he wrested the scepter of authority from man. By securing man's loyal obedience to his own suggestion and counsel, you can be like God. You can be the one who's in charge because after all, you know what's right. You can discover what's good and evil. God's keeping something from you. Don't do it his way. Don't listen to him. Rebel with me. It's all about you. You know what's right. You see what I'm saying? The same thing. And that's what he did. Unfortunately, Adam, of course, Eve uh, fell for that. This earthly scepter Satan held by the full right of conquest, seemingly, underline that word, without challenge from Jehovah, seemingly, okay, until the first advent of the last Adam. Okay, you need to understand, I, I appreciate him putting seemingly in there because uh, it, it's not like a God was, oh, why didn't you tell me, Ruth? What's the big idea? I mean, here it was, the one time I finally get a break, I'm just having a cup of coffee. Next thing you know, here comes this rebellion, and oh, now my hands are tied. I... No, that's not God. Okay, that's not at all uh, how it went. Satan is not a loose cannon on deck even now. Yes, he tempted Adam and Eve and tricked them and deceived them into falling. Okay, but that's, uh, he doesn't just roam willy-nilly and gets to do whatever he wants and God's just somehow limited. Job chapter one, turn there, please. And uh, let's take a look at that. So, very encouraging book if you're looking for employment. And uh, Job, or Job, however you want to pronounce it, Tom, you know, it just depends. Stall some time, Job chapter one, verse six. And we clearly see this uh, in here. And uh, Job chapter one, verse six, says, and one day the angels, Angelos, came to present themselves before the Lord. And guess who was there? And Satan uh, also came with them. The Lord said, Satan, where have you come? And, you know, he knew. Uh, Satan asked the Lord, from roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. Now, you'd think if Satan really had a big power, big power like God, and God's hands were tied, and God says, hey, all right, come on up here. He's, no, I'm not going to go. And that's just one passage you see that God is the one who's in charge. Even Satan Okay, it's not a loose cannon on deck. He only gets to do what God allows him to do. And you're actually going to see in the seven-year tribulation that he is an instrument of God's judgment on the wickedness and rebelliousness of this wicked world system. It's, it's still Satan really isn't in charge. God will use him. He's not the author of evil. He doesn't condone evil. But he will use him as an act of judgment on the planet. And again, Satan thinks he's having this heyday, but he ain't going to stop the second coming of Jesus Christ. The Antichrist is the loser. He is not going to win. He is not going to be the one who's the ruler over the planet. He's going to be defeated. 
How many times you got to learn? But as we saw before, there's a reason why he's doing that. We'll get to that in a second, okay? It's his nature, okay? Christ, uh, the last Adam, through his death, burial, and resurrection, served the death blow that crushed the head of Satan, okay? Although the sentence has not been yet executed, a good way of looking at that, he's on death row, right? He, he, you know, he, again, he doesn't get to what he gets to do. He'll get out, and he'll be allowed to go out and whatever. But again, it's under God's confines, but it doesn't stop the sentence. The time is ticking, and one day, he's going to the lake of fire. We read that. We just read that passage. He's on death row, okay? It's not that it's, God you know, doesn't care. But God says, he tells us one of the reasons why. He says he's not willing that any should perish, right? He, he's not the author of evil. He doesn't like evil. He takes even no uh, uh, pleasure in the death of the wicked, the scripture says, okay? He wants people to be saved. He's giving you time to respond to his graciousness to be saved through Jesus Christ. Okay, uh, but let's continue on. Although the sentence has not been executed, the certainty of punishment uh, is as sure as scripture. Okay, for now, Satan has been allowed by God to retain his position as prince of the power of the air, carrying out his strategic plans uh, through his demonic forces. And again, this is why he knows, folks, that he's doomed. Okay, he knows the scripture. He knows what God says. He knows where he's headed. He's going to the lake of fire. That's why he's so stinking mad. Okay, but again, it, it's his nature that we've seen before the two different Greek words there and uh, is paneros and kakos that's used there. This is just, they're both bad or evil. Okay, this is kind of your generic bad. Again, the analogy, somebody goes into a 7-Eleven, robs it, cops come in, uh, take them away, and that was a bad thing to do. That's kakos. Paneros, and this is the one that's used of Satan, is the exact same scenario. Okay, go in 7-Eleven, uh, but the cops surround the place and there's no way out. Uh, there's no escape. They've got the whole place surrounded. You, you ain't going to win. Sorry, it's over. So he, this guy pulls out a gun and starts shooting as many people as he possibly can. That's Poneros. That's what Satan's doing. He knows his gig is up. He knows he's headed to the lake of fire. He's the big fat loser. And so he's so stinking evil, he uses lies and deceit to, to deceive people and see how many he could take down with him straight into the lake of fire. Okay? This, this is exactly what we see. So what are Satan and the demons up to? All right, well, let's take a look. Unger says, Satan's abode and base of operation is not in hell, okay, but in the heavenly realms, okay? Not, however, in the third heaven or the heaven of heavens, 2 Corinthians 12, it's where Paul says, I was caught up to the third heavens and heard things that can't even, whoo, ha, the actual dwelling place of God the Father. The Bible talks about the different heavens. Uh, it's a Greek word called uranos, and uh, it is, is where we get, it's the same word, uh, heavens. It's kind of like the word we saw before, cool, Spelled the exact same way, C-O-O-L. Uh, the context determines the meaning, right? Hey, Joyce, that shirt looks pretty cool. Or hey, it's kind of ch a little chilly out tonight. It's kind of cool. Or, or hey, Randy, man, I thought we were getting along. Your attitude towards me is kind of cool. What's, you know, what's going on? You know, what does, same word spelled the exact same way. What, what does, defines the meaning? The context. Same thing with urnas or heavens. The Bible talks about three. There's three different ones. There's the urnas or the heavens, okay, where the birds fly. So what would that be? That's your atmosphere. So if you've got earth here, then that's going to be your atmosphere. And then it talks about the ornas or the heavens where the stars are. So what's that? That's going to be outer space. And then you've got the third heaven where the dwelling place of God the Father is. And that's what you're going to have. So you've got one, two, and three is the biblical picture of what the heavens. And that's what he's talking about. Uh, Satan is confined uh, to the first two. Okay. Uh, let's take a look. He says this, uh, uh, ascend the ascended Christ, Jesus, is seated far above rule and authority and power and dominion. Right hand of the Father, stage three, if you will. Okay, 
And uh, Satan was expelled from this highest heaven, evidently not the time of his primeval fall. That's what we saw. He was still commanded to go up before God in Job. Okay, but after Christ completed his redemptive work uh, and glorious ascension, uh, he's now limited uh, to the first and second uh, heavens as the prince of the power of the air. It needs to be remembered that Satan, like the other angelic beings, is neither omnipotent, omniscient, or omnipresent. Those are some big words. That's right, Jim. Those are some big words, so let's define them. Omnipotent means all-powerful. Omni means all. Potent. Powerful. Okay, he's not all-powerful. Again, it's not like the Star Wars thing. Okay, omniscient, all-knowing. He doesn't know everything. Okay, these are only attributes applicable to God. God, by definition, is these three things. Okay, if there was some other entity that had these same powers other than God, then you got an oxymoron. How could God be supreme if somebody else is, see what I'm saying? So by nature of being God, only he has these abilities. And again, that's another lie from Satan. He's not omnipresent. God's everywhere at once. You can't hide from him. Isn't that a scary thought? Yeah, if you're sinning. But if you enjoy your relationship with Jesus Christ, isn't it a comfort? You're never alone. He's always with you wherever he is. Uh, Wherever you go is his child. It's awesome. Okay, but Satan is not. Well, wait a second, Pastor Billy. Haven't you seen those psychic shows? Those, you know, I know they're demonic, but... I mean, uh, they've, they've got to have some of these omniscient powers. and uh, um, No, it's called lies. Okay, let me give you some examples uh, of that. And some of this was in the, some of the New Age stuff. And uh, they do two things to people, uh, to dupe them with these lies, these psychics. Uh, they do two things. They have first what's called cold readings, and then they have what's called hot readings. Let me give you a cold reading. It's, it's all baloney, okay? A uh, person would come in, you know, if they pick your whatever. They're going to read your palm or the crystal ball or whatever, and you pay them the cash. It's, it's all a bunch of baloney, okay? And if they do get a piece of information, I'll get to that in a second, it's demonic, okay? The whole thing's uh, designed to lead you away from God because that's what demons do, from the truth, from God, from the Bible, from Jesus, okay? And uh, so a cold reading would go something like this. And you can actually learn a lot from somebody just by doing a cold reading. In other words, you pay attention to them. What are they wearing? What do the shoes look like? Is that boots? Is that looks like a construction worker? Or that lady, oh, she's dressed pretty nice. Looks like she's more of a sophisticated lady. But on their finger, are they married? Do they have a wedding ring? Not wedding ring. You know, pay attention. You know, how did they carry themselves? Were they competent? Were they kind of scared? Were they skittered? You can learn a massive amount about a person. It's called a cold reading. Before they, and, and then you start sharing that. Well, I could see that uh, you're married. <gasps> it's real. They don't know the tricks that are being played. I'm telling you guys, it happens all the time, okay? And, and, and then what they'll do, they'll, they'll get you, they'll suck you in, and all it takes is just one, and usually they get the person, oh, yeah, yeah, what else, what else? Okay, and that's when they really get you. The hot reading, what they do is they'll do something like this. They'll, they'll, uh, they'll get you to, uh, it's called fill in the blank is what's going on, okay? They'll, they'll learn from what they get you, but then now they really try to wow you. And they'll sit there and they'll go, well, the spirits are talking to me, and I, uh, and they just guess. They go fishing is what they're doing. And they're going to let you fill in the blank. Okay? And I see that uh, you, um, I, I just, what's coming to me is, um, I think it's a, a relation, you've had an estranged relationship with your, with your father. With your father, yeah, I think his father. And see, they watch for the verbal cues from the person. Now, if the person doesn't validate it and go like, but they're just sitting there going, you know, frown like, I got a great relationship with my dad. You know, thinking that to myself. Like, no, 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 that's not, no, no, they're telling, oh, no, no, you've already dealt with that. No, that, that's, that's, okay. No, it, it, oh, it's a, it's a boyfriend. It, and 
Who hasn't had an ex-boyfriend or ex-girlfriend? You know, they just skip to something. And then the person validates. They go, oh, yeah, yeah, right? It's called, it's called, they go fishing. And they let you fill in the blank. And they do this. They do people all the time. You see the guys on, you, once you understand the techniques, you can watch every one of these hucksters on TV, okay? And they use the same techniques. They let people fill in the blank. And they go fishing. And they'll say stuff like, oh, you've already dealt with that. Or, or, or well, no, no, it, it's still a male, but it's like that. Or, like, you know, and then once they fill it in, they just, they, oh, people, they just get sucked in, okay, with that. Now, here's another thing they'll do. They'll say, well, wait a second, Pastor Billy. I know that even police forces will use psychics uh, to discover uh, the body of a murderer. So there's got to be some omniscient powers going, no. Think about it. Satan is a liar. He's, been, he's a father of lies. He's a murderer. He's been a murderer from the beginning. Who in the world do you think was there when the murder was committed? At least one demon, right? So the demon shares that with the psychic, right? And the person doesn't know. And the person, the, the psychic might actually hear a voice. I don't doubt that. Doesn't mean you got some clairvoyant, wonderful powers. Okay, and, and sure enough, they're there. So what does it do? What do people at that point start putting their hope in? The word of God, the Bible, Jesus Christ? No, a demonic psychic. And that's how they suck people into that. So he is not omnipresent. He's not omniscient. Okay, and he certainly is not omnipotent. Thus, Satan carries out his strategies through his organized host of demons uh, ranked as principalities, powers, world forces of this darkness and spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. These demons not only carry out Satan's desires, but are also constantly gathering information about people that Satan can use in carrying out his schemes to what? So, do you realize he hates us? He does. He hates God's children. I remember I had an instructor years back, he says, you know, there really is one way, if you think about it, that Satan can, if you will, get back at God. And he does it by getting back at the heart of God. You see, because if Satan gets us as Christians to sin against God, the Bible says we can grieve the Holy Spirit. If, if Satan can get us as Christians to beat each other up instead of being unified and love one another, that hurts God. So he says, you know, there is a way, if you will. And what he does is he'll come after Christians and he'll get Christians to hurt God. You know, he can't, he can't stop God. He can't affect God. Nobody can God's immutable is the big theological term, okay? But if you will, he gets at him through his heart, okay? And, and things of that nature. Uh, Unger describes the character of demons. The character of demons reveal what they uh, can do to their victims. Invisible, extremely intelligent. Again, that's the root word of demonion from Greek. It means intelligent ones. And again, I love what he said here. He says, gathering information about people. Guys, they know us big time. They've had 6,000 years, if you will, kicking around, looking at mankind for 6,000 years, knowing exactly what makes us tick, especially with the sin nature aspect, all right? And all they do is they change the terminology. They change the package. Unfortunately, they don't have to be too smart because we unfortunately fall for the same traps every single time. The good news is we don't have to fall for the traps. The Bible's very clear. Our weapons are not the weapons of this world, our warfare, okay? And uh, that God provides a way out every single time, every temptation, but we need to understand how uh, that takes place, and we certainly need to understand the armor of God. And Lord willing, eventually we can get that in the study. And they're totally depraved personalities, and they can do a great deal of harm to the unregenerate person, leading him into evil. And as believers, it's good to know that God is for us. Is anybody excited about that? Okay, <laughs> and that Christ's victory is complete. He protects us from evil. Listen to this. The healthy Christian will never suffer from occult oppression 
Now, wait a second. We've talked before. A Christian cannot be possessed. The Holy Spirit's not going to share you with a demon inside. It's not going to happen. Sorry. I truly believe that's a horrible false teaching. Okay. Uh, But you can't be oppressed. Okay. He can still mess with you. So what's he talking about here? Well, underline the word there, healthy Christian. Okay. Because he cannot touch us, guys. First John 4, uh, 4, I believe. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. We don't have to be afraid. He's the one that's defeated. He's the little pipsqueak of a rat with a lined head and knocked out teeth, right? Uh, that's what the scripture says. He's been defeated, okay? The only way that he gets an inroads, the only way that he can even oppress us, because we're armed to the teeth with the armor of God, is when we're not walking in victory. In other words, when we give in to his lies and we fall for his traps. That's it. That's the only way he can oppress us. If we give into to his, because Christ has already given us the victory. We belong to Jesus, not him. The only way it works on us is if we give into to his lies and we fall for his traps. Okay, that's it. So if you're a healthy Christian, praise God. It isn't just you don't belong to the dominion of darkness anymore. We've been rescued from that, the scripture says. But you don't even have to be uh, messed with to that, that degree. Unfortunately, what do we do? We fall for his lies and we give into to his traps. Can I tell you what the biggest trap is? Because it's at the heart of Satan. It's at the heart of his fall. And as we saw last week, once again, we've talked about this many times. I'm fully convinced of this. It's the number one law of Satanism and it's the number one virtue in our society. It's when he gets us to live for nothing but self. You are never more like Satan when it's all about you. That's what caused his fall. Self. You know what's right. You can know what's good and evil. Don't do what God says. He's holding something back from you. You do it your way. And you, 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 you. I'm telling you. And you fell for his lies, you go for his traps. He's got you. They're being oppressed. Okay? And that's what he's talking about. The natural questions arise. Well, what can demons do to men in general? <clears throat> and what effect can they have on Christians specifically? Well, Dr. Merrill Unger gives us five ways in which demons can affect mankind. They include, Ruth, this. Demons use men to oppose God. Are you serious? You mean to tell me when God starts doing something, uh, we're gonna, uh, we need to start expecting demonic activity? <laughs> yeah. Now, listen to what he, what, what, who does he use? Not just actual demons. Who does he use to oppose the things of God? People. Didn't we see that last week? The Satanists, when they come into churches. Witches, when they come into churches. What do they do? They come in here to destroy. They come in here to oppose and just get people yippity yappy yippy yap yap. And the church goes down the tubes. We self-destruct. Anything to get us to destruct because we have to stop us because they have to oppose what is going on because God's doing a great work. I, 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 just, I, just, I was leaving to go home to uh, crash for a little bit, get up, study, and come in here. And right as I was leaving, uh, Diana uh, Olwen, and uh, she just handed me this six-page sheet Okay, and, and she goes, hey, Pastor Billy, check this out. She's, I turned her on to the statistics and stats of what's going on with the website and the ministries and who all we're reaching. This is just the first page, and this is not all on the first page. This, let me just read to you just a few of the countries, just on this first page of six, that we're currently getting to share God's word and the gospel. Just a random thing. This isn't everything. This is a little slice of one day. Listen to this. Germany, Canada, Ghana, Australia, India... Saudi Arabia, Sweden, United Kingdom, Jordan, Romania, Norway, Greece, New Zealand, Philippines, Indonesia, Thailand, Puerto Rico, China, Brazil, Germany, uh, Malawi, wherever that is, uh, Italy, 
uh, Bosnia, uh, Herzegovina, uh, France, Barbados, Philippines, and Turkey, and that's just some just on the first page of six. That's what we get to do. Isn't that amazing? We, uh, I, I, that's just a, a tip of the tip of the tip of the tip of the tip. Man, I say God's doing a great work. That's pretty exciting. That's just one little slice of one little day and one little page. I think somebody would eventually say, hey, we better oppose that. I'm telling you, folks, we need all the battles are flesh and blood. Okay? When God starts doing a great work, somebody's always going to want to hose it up. And that's what he says. Demons want to, <clears throat> and he'll use men, people, to oppose the things of God. Satan's main occupation is opposition to God's will. Right? Is it God's will for us to study the Bible? Is it God's will for us to make disciples? Is it God's will for us to share the gospel to Las Vegas and, and to the ends of the earth? Right? So guess who's going to oppose that? Satan and demons, okay? The name Satan <clears throat> given to Lucifer after his fall means adversary, God's adversary. And man's, especially when man loves and serves God, okay? Uh, and uh, it's Adrian Rogers, I think it was a classic illustration. He says, uh, if uh, you're never bothered by Satan, okay, and you never feel any resistance from him, it could be because you and him are going in the same direction. The moment you start going upstream against the culture, which is basic Bible Christianity, okay, you're going to experience a current. You're going to experience resistance, like a salmon going upstream, okay? And any time that you want to do something truly significant for Christ, you're going to pay a significant price. We don't have to walk around in fear. We don't, oh, here comes Satan, you know, Star Wars, 55. No. But at the same time, don't be that 65% that acts like it doesn't happen. And that when we face challenges, that it's only, only just physical. No. And that it means that everything's doom and gloom. No, it might be because everything's going great. Uh, Satan's going to oppose that. That's what demons do. Okay. As he says here, he says that it was the intrusion of Satan's will against the divine will that introduced sin into sinless universe and transformed Lucifer, light bearer, into Satan opposer. Satan's rebellion fixed the pattern of satanic and demonic attitude as opposition to God and the exaltation, here it is, underline it, he says it too, what? You are never more like Satan when it's all about self, okay? Abel's murder, Herod slaughtered the children and the serpent seeking to slay the promised seed through the leaders of the Jewish nation show how effective Satan is using men to oppose God. He forgot one in here, Haman, remember that guy? Okay, Haman, yep, absolutely, Tom. And uh, man, if you want some good humor and some good action, read that book. Oh, isn't it awesome? And he's in there and he's trying to, because well, who's ultimately inciting the murder and the murderous attitudes of Haman and, and with Abel, okay? And, and you see with the Jewish people throughout history, the biblical history, why is Satan doing that? Because back in Genesis 3.15, God says, hey, guess what? Yeah, you, you might have uh, tricked my uh, creation here, but guess what? Uh, he, he cursed Satan, and right after that, he says, guess what, buddy? Your days are numbered. Okay, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman, and uh, the seed of the woman is going to crush your head. You're done. He was there. He knew it. So what did he start working at from there all the way up to the cross? Trying to, he knew that the Messiah was going to come, the one who's going to crush his head. Ultimately, he's going to be of the Jewish people. So who did he try to get rid of? Why? Because he was trying to oppose God's will, God's plan, God's promise to undo him. It's the same thing today. 
is what he's talking about. But with Haman, that was awesome, man. Trying to annihilate the Jewish people wasn't just because we're just going to get those people. We're anti-Semitic. You know, it's the you know, same thing you see today. It's not just that. Because if he could have done that, then there's nobody left for the lineage for the Messiah to come. But you saw with Haman, and he had all his plans. How did his plans work out? The very plans that he made was the very ones that he got hung on. That's, I mean, that's, can I translate that for you? That's God going, nanny, nanny, boo, boo. Who has the last word? Right? God does. Don't mess with God's will. You're going to pay a price. Okay? He's going to win. God's will will prevail. Okay? And that's what he says. And it shows how effective Satan is in using men to oppose God. Satan is a murderer. He's always been one from the beginning. And uh, that's what we are going to see. I'm going to close with this story. And uh, just to remind us how real this battle is. And uh, this is a real guy. Uh, dare I, as I read through this, can I tell you something? This is probably akin to a lot of people here in Las Vegas. Uh, maybe not as going as deep into actual Satanism, but as far as being lost as a goose and not knowing the meaning of life and getting sucked up into satanic lies. It's true. Satan's real. He's really out here. He's really alive. He's not in hell. He is the prince of the air but the good news is if we get out there if we be a great commercial for jesus christ individually and as a church and if we get out there sharing the gospel once again wouldn't it be awesome I have one guy, wouldn't it be awesome if you guys if we could actually give a big old fat knockout uppercut blow to satan just wouldn't it be awesome obedience to god is how you do that it reminds him of his defeat so let, let, let's go to sean sellers i don't know if you guys heard of this guy listen to this he started out as your typical American teenager who just wanted to have a little fun <clears throat> and discover what life's all about. And so his, his search for answers, it didn't take Sean long to see through the emptiness of the so-called normal American way of life, that of seeking happiness and consumerism and having a positive self-image or indulging in endless, mindless entertainment. It seemed so futile. Uh, Sean knew there had to be more to life. But to make matters worse, at this stage, when Sean was desperately looking for answers, the so-called Christians he ran into were totally stuck up and completely absorbed in, them, in themselves. So Sean decided he didn't need their God. He was going to be his own God. And he actually decided to follow Satan. Okay, why? Because after all, doesn't the devil promise that if we listen to him, we can become our own God? Power, we know it's... Right? And so soon, Sean was not only consuming massive amounts of drugs and blaspheming God, but he also started drinking his own or other people's blood that he carried with him in a small vial for power. But he felt something was still missing. He still needed even more power to be an even more powerful God. So Sean turned to the last of the Ten Commandments he had yet to break. He purposely broke all the other ones. Uh, and it was the last one he had to do was you shall not murder. Uh, the first murder he did was at a convenience store where he casually walked in and proceeded to blow the cashier away with a 357 Magnum. The next one came at the home uh, whereupon uh, his own house where he was doing some homework, finished his homework, performed a satanic ritual, proceeded to take his father's 44 revolver Revolver shot both of his parents in the head but shortly thereafter his satanic spree came to an end and sean was arrested and thrown into jail but as the one true god would have it two days later a man came to the cell next to sean and gave him a bible uh, before he had mutilated bibles he burned them he urinated on them he poured blood on them but now for the first time for some unknown reason he read one and as he did he came across the book of psalms whereupon an overwhelming sense of guilt flooded his soul <clears throat> he had been wrong and he realized that satan had lied to him and it was the one and only true God, the Bible, uh, who loved Sean, not the devil. And so on his knees in his jail cell, Sean prayed, Lord, here I am. If you will take me 
I will serve you. And in that moment, God touched him and Sean began to cry. He knew that true love was not in the things of this world. True love was not in himself. And true love certainly wasn't in trying to be his own God. No, true love is only found in the one and only God, Jesus Christ. And so on February 4th, 1999, Sean Sellers was executed for his crimes upon man. But simultaneously, he was pardoned by God through Jesus Christ and ushered into a place called heaven. That's the battle we're in every single day. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Your, your co-workers, maybe they're not into Satanism, but can I tell you something? They're desperately seeking answers. There's got to be more to life. Are you kidding me? This is it? They got a hole in their heart. Don't you remember those days before being a Christian? How dark and empty and vain and goofy it was? And horrible? Just lost? That's the privilege we have, okay? And, and we are in a spiritual battle. Who do you think it is who tries to get you to be afraid to witness? Who do you think it is who tries to get you to not come to Wednesday night Bible study? Who do you think it is to try to get you to not give of your time, your treasure, your talents, your tongue to your church? Who do you think it is that tries to get you to not come on Sundays or get involved and use the gifts that God's given you? Who do you think it is that tries to get you every time you open the Bible and all of a sudden the spirit of snooze came all over you? Do you think that's by chance? Every day, guys, we live in a spiritual warfare. Satan and demons are real. Praise God, greater is he that is in us than he is in this world. I don't have to be afraid. But let's not go the other extreme and, like, and act like this is not real, it's not happening, because it is. And it's not just for our own well-being, but God has called us to be on the front line for people like Sean, our co-workers, our neighbors, our family members, who need Jesus Christ because the lake of fire is real. And if you understand how bad that is, I don't care what somebody has done to you, you never would wish for them to go there, ever. Amen? Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today, that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things with you. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the Bible also says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness is death. In other words, when we die, and it's coming for each one of us, we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, but it's going to happen. The Bible says, therefore, since the wages of our sin is death, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and not to heaven. And that's bad enough, but to make matters worse, we don't want to admit this. God already knows. He knows uh, all of our behavior, everything, our thoughts, what we've done what even we're going to do. He knows it all. He's gone. Even though he already knows this, we don't want to admit this. And so out of love and mercy, God gave us something called his law or the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like his x-ray into our heart to show us what he already knows, that he is holy and that we are not. And it's this unholiness or sin that separates us from him. Let's take a look at God's x-ray, if you will, his divine law to show us what he already knows. The Ten Commandments, uh, the ninth one says this, you shall not bear false witness. Okay, that's called lying. Okay, and if you've ever told a lie once, which we all have, myself included, the Bible says that makes you a liar. Okay, the, the, another commandment says you shall not steal. Okay, uh, and you might think, well, that's something that everybody does. Well, it doesn't make it right, and it demonstrates what God is trying to show us, that uh, we all have sin, and it's separating us from him. 
Even if you took a pencil in the third grade from somebody, if you did it without permission, that's stealing. And so now you've become a thief. The Bible says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And how interesting it is and unfortunate that the only name under heaven by which men might be saved, the name Jesus Christ, has now become a common cuss word. The Bible says that God is so holy that even his name is holy. If you've taken the Lord's name in vain and used it as a cuss word or even flippantly, the Bible calls that the sin of blasphemy. And so now you become a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus says if you even look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. And finally, the Bible says uh, you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? Well, again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred is the same as the sin of murder. The only difference is you pulled the trigger, if you will, in your heart. You wish they were dead. And in God's eyes, it's the same thing in principle. Folks, that's only just a couple of the Ten Commandments. We didn't even go through all of them. But I think you're starting to get the picture. The Bible is correct. We have all fallen short of the glory of God, myself included. And that we are separated from God as a result. And so when our time comes, we're not automatically going to heaven. We are headed for judgment. We are headed for hell. Now let me tell you the good news. The good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to save us. Jesus Christ died on the cross. It was the death penalty of its day. He paid in full uh, the price for our sins to be forgiven. Let me give you an analogy. For instance, even today, we could see that a person can commit a crime. Uh, they, they cannot reverse it. The, the sentence has been passed. The judge has uh, slammed his gavel, and they are ushered off into their jail cell. And in this particular crime, they are going to receive the death penalty. And so they're behind bars just waiting for the time, waiting for the call for them to go and uh, receive the death penalty. But believe it or not, as we know, there is a way that a person can get off a death row. And that is if the one in authority, the governor, would grant them a pardon. Now, they didn't earn it. Uh, they certainly don't deserve it. And there's nothing they could do uh, to earn it because nothing can reverse their crime. Okay? Yet the one in authority has that ability to grant them a pardon. Well, can I tell you something? That's what God has done through Jesus Christ. The cross was the death penalty of the day. God sent his one and only son to die on the cross, to take the death penalty in our place, and that if we would just receive his pardon for all of our sins, God is willing to allow us to get off a death row. He's willing to forgive us completely of all of our sins. That's the good news that I want to share with you. God loves you. The Bible says that God is not willing that anyone should perish, but everyone come to repentance. Won't you, if that's you, call upon the name of Jesus Christ right now? Won't you ask him to forgive you for sins? The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Won't you do that now, wherever you are? Please, take God up on his amazing loving offer. I'll let you down. Man will let you down. People will let you down. But God never will. He wants to adopt you into his forever family. He loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done, past, present, and future. It's amazing.
please call upon Jesus now. Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church. If there's anything that we can do for you, please don't hesitate to ask. Our number and information will come up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.